It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Flow Track Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Be sure to write in, especially if you want to be on Guess My PR or Internet Coach. Always taking submissions. Just put in the subject line Guess My PR or Internet Coach. We got uh, a lot to talk about today, Gordon. We have European Championships wrap. We had the NACAC Championships. We have some coaching news. We have some Philadelphia Eagle news, which is great for you. So, a lot to get to on this Monday morning. How was your weekend? It was great. How was yours? What is the definition of great on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, well, I'll explain to you this way. A branch off a large tree fell at my house, but it missed damaging anything just barely. So... Am I happy the branch fell? No, that sucks because I have this large branch on my property I have to take care of, but could have been a lot worse. Speaking of branches, so there was a branch, a large branch that fell near my home like yeah. a few months ago. And yeah. the branch is connected to this tree that literally is probably at like a 45 degree to like 40 degree angle. Yeah. It's about to fall over, and it's a big tree. And if it falls over, it's going to hit the house. And it's a big one. It's like no taller podcasts. than the house type tree. Yeah. And a landscaper came by like earlier last week. I was like, yeah, that tree's dead. That thing's going to fall. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, what do we do? He's like, I don't know, but it's going to fall. <laughs> so... A tree is about to fall on my house in the next few months. Oh. I don't know when. Big week for storms, too. Where. Big week for storms yeah. in Austin. Yeah, this... yeah, this is not good. Jordan. There's a tree coming. Uh, you should call I mean, somebody. I should, but I also kind of want to see what happens. Take it. For... Or oh, you don't own the house. Yeah, I don't own the house. So you, did... like, well, it's kind of cool. There's a giant hole in my house. No, you I don't want that. Cool. Let me let me tell that. you that would yeah that would not be that'd be bad for the pod. That'd be bad for the house. That'd be bad for yeah. We don't want that. You you have to live. Have to... I don't have space for you, by the way. If you leave your house, I don't have space for you. Colt, you don't have space, I have space for, for you. At his I got place, a mat on the floor or something. That's all. That's all I can do. But the tree, though, is on the side of the house where the guest bedroom is, which is completely empty. So Still if bad. it breaks through, Still it's bad. only going to hit the guest bedroom. My other, my bed I sleep in is on the opposite side of the house. Still so not good. Tarp. Still want to avoid good. that. Colt's right. A lot of storms. Colt is the official meteorologist of the spot. A lot of storms this week. So I try to get that taken care of. Use right. me as a cautionary tale. Hey, I, I want to get started, though, because I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about this NACAC men's 5,000 <laughs> at the end of the pod. Um, this is an epic race. It deserves a lot of time. Uh, right. Opening 241.53. I'll just leave that nugget with everybody who's listening and watching. Winning time, let's just say it was closer to 15 to than 14. I'll just say that. But hey, we'll start with Euros. Euros wrapped. Carson Warholm, guy I was most looking forward to seeing compete. 
European Championships after he finished seventh at Worlds. Had a limited buildup because of injury. Just so many question marks going into World Championships about Warholm. Will he be able to pull it off? Will he be able to get himself around the track? And for about 300 meters, he looked like he might be able to pull it off. Then it all came undone. Was not a factor. Last 100. Very strange sight seeing Warholm struggle. But now we're back, Gordon, to what we expect to see for Carson Warholm. A dominant victory. 47-12. Wins by almost a second and a half. I'm very excited now to see this next season of men's formula hurdling because you're going to have Warholm, who's hungry to get another gold medal. You have Dos Santos, who's the reigning world champion. And then you have Rye Benjamin there, who's been the guy who gets runner-up now three editions in a row. Can he pull it off? So just very excited that Warholm seems to be behind his injury, 47 low with a dominant victory like that. He, he just looked like him, his old self. Yeah, I mean, I was not expecting this. I was expecting a win, but I thought it was going to be like a, a, a B minus C plus win for him for what we know he's capable of because we've seen incredibleness from him. We've seen him run 45 seconds. Uh, but 47-1, that is in the range of like, if he was running this a month ago, yeah, probably yeah. would have beaten Dos Santos. Like this is like world championship winning caliber type mark, and so for him to beat to run this, we know that the injury is pretty much behind him, and that Carson is back. He's yeah. going to make the four hundred hurdles better. I want to see him race Dos Santos in the Diamond League final. Hopefully, not sure if we'll get that, mm -hmm. but you know, it's going to be interesting. Like if Carson roll home goes out and wins the Diamond League final against Dos Santos. Because Dos Santos has won every single Diamond League he's run. I think he's undefeated in all of his races. Mm -hmm. But if Carson were to go to the Diamond League final, beat him, run like a 46 mid, who would you rank as the number one 400-meter hurdler of 2022? <laughs> yeah, that'd be tough. I mean, you want to give him... You want to give the weight to the world champion. But 46 mid, I mean, Dos Santos 46-2-9, I'd probably give it back to, well, I would, I'd still give Dos Santos this year, like the honorary title of like number one ranking for 2022, but my favorite for 2023 would be Warholm at that point. Yeah. Because you're right, Dos Santos has been undefeated this year. He's been brilliant this year. So if he gets one loss, I'm not putting Warholm over him. But I'm saying for rankings for next year, if these guys go head-to-head -head and Warholm pulls it out, of course he's going to be number one. Everybody would have Warholm number one. This is the performance we were looking for for Carson Warholm. And not just the time on the clock, but just the whole aura of Carson Warholm. Just all the aggressiveness with which he races. And it just goes to show you how a couple weeks with athletes of this caliber and injuries like this make all the difference in the world. Because he looks like a completely different athlete but when you're operating with such thin margins one small setback or just a couple extra workouts couple extra weeks can take you from a person who's a non-factor in one race to gold medalist in another yeah you look at his results dnf then he had the world championships where he gets seventh and then a month later he didn't run he has a run he has a run and then monthly is now he's running what we thought he would have been in the beginning of the year like it took him yeah. three months, but in three months he get he went from DNF to forty seven twelve. Yeah, 
And again, for him, 47-12, no big deal. And we think of Warholm now, we associate the number 45 with Formula Hurdling. But remember, 46, pretty damn good. 46 is going to win you most races. And 47 in his first race, his first final, in full health, in a race where he wins by a second and a half. I think if, we're to, if we are to get Dos Santos first Warholm, it's going to come right down to the wire. Yeah. And do we know if Rye's health, Rye Benjamin's health? He's, he's done for the year. He shut he's shut done for the year? Yeah, he had, remember he didn't run the 4x4. Four four. Yeah, he yeah, was banged true. up. He had the tendonitis and stuff. So we're going to have to wait to see all three of them for 2023. But Warholm versus Dos Santos right now would be amazing. Yeah. This season I mean, just gives you multiple opportunities to make up for bad races or to, for injuries. It's just, it's the never ending season. You're always going to yeah. get a chance to get a gold medal. You're always going to get a chance to beat the rival that took you out at Worlds. I just hope they both stay healthy or all three stay healthy for the next two years. So by 2024, yeah. you have a 28 year old Warholm. Benjamin will be in his mid 20s. You know, Dos Santos will be entering his prime because Dos Santos is yeah. very young. So 2024 yeah. Olympic 400 meter hurdle final will be special. Yeah. We are in the early stages of this. We could be in the early stages of this based on how young they are. And also 19, the third guy, it was Samba. It wasn't even Dos Santos. Dos Santos didn't come on the scene until later. So we're just scratching the surface. This could be all-time stuff. That we're, I mean, it already is all-time stuff, but imagine just every year going back to this, 23, 24, 25, there's a global championship as well, too. I mean, and just Warholm getting hurt was rough for this season, but it just it added a level of intrigue, and then it spread the gold medals around, so now it's not just one guy dominating. It, it added in a little bit of uncertainty to it. I mean, it's like a movie, man. This is like these three guys are just – they're sensational. Who's going to direct this movie? I would love to direct this movie. I mean, I'm, I'm so in on this. I've been in on this since the beginning. Um, again, didn't think it was going to be Dos Santos. It was going to emerge as that third guy. But, I mean, how do you not get excited about this? Like, like just knowing what we've seen already, what they've created already, and they're all so young, and we could have three, four more years of this if they all stay healthy. It's sensational. There's no other event like it right now that has three people all around that same sort of time. I'm trying to think who's going to play who. Looking at Ryan Gosling as Karsten, Will Smith as uh, Rye, and though Dos Santos, who would be a good Dos Santos? Uh, I don't know. Who's like a tall, lanky actor? I think all those people are way too old to, to That's play. True. We need to go <laughs> in their generation. prime 400-meter hurdles. Yeah, new generation. We'll find I need to be thinking about 20-year-old actors, not 40 to 50. So I take that back. But uh, I'll, 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 look and, I'll talk to my casting director and figure that out. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even need to be a movie movie. Documentary, even. It just – all three of them, they don't race together that often or they barely race together. But – that's going to come to an end soon, don't you think? Eventually, we're going to start seeing them in their primes against each other, I think, more. 
I think. Yeah. It's a great sentence. Maybe Eventually, not. Eventually, I think we're going to see Maybe. them more. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, Maybe. midway through that, I was like, wait a minute. It's track. We're probably going to see them less. So let me scratch that from the record. Eventually, they're all going to be healthy at the same time. Because Rye was banged up. Carson was banged up. Takes nothing away from Dos Santos. He was spectacular. But next year, new year, they're all going to be healthy. And if not, then then 24 or 25. Like We're going we're gonna to see it. It's going to happen in one of these next three years. We're going to get all of them together again at the same time. Full health like we had in Tokyo. Also at Euros, we had Keeley got the job done winning finally a, yes. a third time's a charm for Keeley Hoskinson. Wins in 159. She was supposed to win this race. Um, wins it over Lamont of France. Um, Riki kind of fell to fifth. She ran too flat. And then on the 1500 side, Laura Muir wins easily 401. I mean, there was no way she was yeah. going to lose that race. Uh, but the two heavy favorites won in the women's 8 and 15, Laura Muir and uh, Keely Hodgkinson. Yeah, and Hodgkinson was a bit buried early on and had to do some work to get to the front. But then once she did, there was nobody who was going to be able to stick with her in the last 100. Probably feels good. Get that gold medal around her neck. She's had a, a long championship portion of her season to go from Worlds to Commonwealths to Europeans. Muir with just over a lap to go, just remembered, hey, I'm like a lot better than everybody. And she did this move. Like she put on this surge just over a lap to go and broke away from everybody and nobody was able to to catch her at that point. So yeah, no surprise there for Muir. She's been collecting medals this whole season. I think Hodgkinson is the more noteworthy result just because she finally got, finally, she's what, 20 years old? She finally got that gold medal uh, because she had two other opportunities this year where she was, you know, in really good position to do it, and it just didn't work out. But this one, it was against a a lighter field, didn't have her two main rivals in it, and and she gets it done. And and that's another one where we could have several years of amazing racing on tap between her and Mo, and then now Mora in the mix as well too. And then. Um... The, you know, the athlete that we were kind of all watching, we we're watching a bunch of different athletes, but notably Femke Bull pulls off the yeah. double officially. She gets it done. She, we knew she was going to win the 400 hurdles. The question mark was yeah, the was open easy. 400. She got that done already. But 52-67, championship record, good time for her. I mean, we're now getting, I mean, we're, we're now looking at 52s as like, oh, it's a solid race. But 52 mm -hmm. is like, Four years ago was like, are you kidding me? Um, yeah. Had an incredible championship because not only did she pull off the double, yeah. but her team won the four by four national record, 320, but she split 48 seconds in that four by four. So winning three golds, like she's really good at wanting one lap. She's very good. She's extremely elite at running one lap around the track. Yeah. That four by four. Reminded me of a high school meet or even a college meet where you just have that one superstar athlete and they've just been putting up individual performances that have just wowed everybody. And then you get to the relay and they get the baton and everybody just knows what's going to happen. It's like, oh, them again? Like, 
the rival teams are just like, all right, we're completely powerless. Like this person is just on another level than us. Doesn't matter if we're ahead by five meters or 15 meters or 20 meters, she's going to figure out a way to get it done. And she, and that's exactly what she did. I mean, that was, her split was amazing and it just, there's just no match for her. You same thing about Warholm, same thing about Ingebrigtsen, same thing about Muir, like in the, in a European championship, there's just no match for, for Femke Bull over one lap. Do you think Femke Bull will defeat Cindy McLaughlin at least once in her lifetime? In, in the foreign, a, the foreign hurdles? In any 400 race, 400 flat or 400 hurdles at a continental tour level gold continental gold tour diamond league or championship event it's hard to imagine mclaughlin losing it's hard to imagine mclaughlin losing even though we've seen her recently right against mohammed it wasn't as if she was always like dominant but no it's hard to picture her losing no i don't think so i don't think so not even in like 2028 now see 2028 maybe no i i don't like what's the race what's the scenario the gap's gotten bigger between mclaughlin and everybody else has it gotten she took her yeah she improved her world record yeah a huge margin remember that night in eugene sydney was like the only person who got a pr i think in that four-meter hurdle final it was bizarre. She was the only, and her PR happened to be a world record by a, a huge amount. Yeah, the gap okay. is growing. There's there's a lot of daylight there. So I will take, I'll take, if you can't be 0.5, I'll take the under. Okay, let's do, I'll take the over. I feel like I have a, right. this is going to be a time when Sydney has a bad day. Like, that's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, sure. I just can't see it. I'm not going to predict it because I just, it's hard to imagine at this point. I think Femke Bull in the next 10 years will win one race against Cindy McLaughlin. I don't think that's too much to ask. No, it's not. I'm not saying it. But then if you have to actually individually go and like pick that race, then it becomes really hard. Yeah. So this no, year. I wouldn't have to. Yeah, it's not happening yeah. this year or next year or the year after that, but maybe in 2029. 50-68 for McLaughlin. Bull 52-27 is her season's best. 50-68. To fifty-two twenty-seven. You're right. Fifty-twos are amazing. Fifty-twos are rare. But if you see two athletes with that big of a gap, and then you look at their ages being that similar, I don't think it's crazy for you to think, man, it's it's going to take something really unpredictable for that person who's a fifty-two runner to lose to a person who's a fifty-point-six-eight runner. You're right. I just feel like something's going to happen. Yes. No, odds are in your favor that something will happen at some point. Well, there's also – McGoffin doesn't race that much either. Yeah, They're racing every week. That's different. But if you're, if you're telling me she's only going to race – like there's, an, uh, there's a world here where she only races Femke Bowl in major championships for the next 10 yeah. years. That's a very distinct possibility. I'm not talking about you know, an indoor 200 or whatever. I'm saying – if she's only going to race her in major championships, then she only has over the next 10 years, 
a few opportunities to beat her. And then you got to ask yourself, well, when, when is that going to, when, when is it going to come where she's going to close that gap? Do you think she's has a more, just you have a better chance in the open four or the 400 hurdles? Open four. Yeah, for sure. Open four. Cause she's, she split 48 seconds. That's like, I know yep. Sydney split 47 high, but like, She's closer to Sydney in the open than she is in the points of hurdles. Sure. Yeah. Well, Mark agrees with you in the chat. He says, foreign split, Femke getting closer 48.5 to 47.9. Facts. Yeah. Thank you. Exactly. You and Mark, you, like loved, you, love, the you love the relay splits. The relay splits are everything. I mean, how many people don't love relay splits? You ask most people when they ask what their PB in the 400 is, they, they cite the relay split. I love the relay splits, but where did Sydney get the baton? What place was the U.S. in? First. Yeah. It's a little bit different. She's running scared. It's hard to, it's hard to I do not think Sydney McLaughlin was scared at any moment <laughs> during those 47.9 seconds. Probably a lot of emotions. I don't think fear was ever one of them. Fair it's enough. just, I yeah. mean, imagine if she had to chase somebody down. Imagine if she had to catch somebody. I think she can go faster. Um, my point is, and the four hurdles at least that that gap did grow, and you're right. It's it's significant, and I think we'll have to wait till we see McLaughlin run an, a serious open four before we really know. Because yeah, we joke about four by four splits all the time, but it is it is imperfect, right? So we do need to see Sydney do an all out quarter to know. Bowl looks really good. In the open quarter, we've seen that, but we just we have no idea what McLaughlin could do within range. I mean, she's obviously not going to run forty-seven. We don't think she's going to run forty-seven-nine her first time out, um, and we think she's she's going to run. It's going to be a forty-nine or forty-eight probably the first time out. That's that's what we know, but we don't have anything past that. Anyway, let's keep moving. Um, we talked about Warholm, Hodgkinson, Muir, Bull. Oh, the eight hundred. You drafted the men's eight hundred. Um, by the way, I won the draft. I looked back on it. You say that people never go back and look at their drafts. I scored this. I had Jacobs, Warholm, Mondo, who won. Hodgkinson, Muir. Mondo, actually, wait, hold on. Wait, had, Mondo isn't a good pick. That was just a boring six-meter win. Also, too, I picked the men's 200 with um, Afrifa, and he ended up getting seventh or something. So that that one didn't land. But you had Ingerbitson's double, Bulls double. Uh, Asher Smith and the men's 800. So I think I, well, I won that. I think it came down to you trading the pick. I had the extra pick there, and I don't think you should have done that because it, yes, that sir. gave me room to pick. Um, but I picked the women's 100, and that was interesting. German Germany's own takes the win. Like You didn't really cool. pick the win. You picked, you picked the Asher Smith double, which no, didn't I happen. No, I picked the event. I picked but, the event, the 100 oh, okay. meters. All right. We were picking events, not people. Men's 800. Tell me, tell me about the men's 800. Well, I'll tell you about that, the men's 800. Let me tell you. Have you ever seen a 144 high? Because we got those. I have. <laughs> Mariano Garcia takes down Whiteman. I mean, I don't know. Nothing happened. We thought the 1,500-meter kid could win Whiteman, but the 800 guys were like, no, we're not going like, to dominate our event. Running away from Inga Britson to come play with us. We're not going to let you play with our toys. 
Garcia got the win. Um, man, Spain's got some great middle distance runners now. You got Garcia, you got Garcia Romo. Like they, they, you know, Katir, they're putting together a good group of young men who can run from between the eight to the five k. But uh, Garcia yeah. took gold, one forty four. Nothing too crazy. I mean, look at that. Everyone is together, all running <laughs> the times that you know Cade Flat is going to run next year. It's just like, come on, what are we doing? Cade Flat is going to run next year. Interesting way to put that. I know you want to see Whiteman versus Ingebrigtsen. Everyone to see Whiteman versus Ingebrigtsen. Does him getting second make you more upset or less upset that he didn't race Ingebrigtsen? More upset. Yeah, me too. It's like you could have gotten a silver. If you're going to get a silver, just do it against Ingebrigtsen and we could have seen yeah. an awesome race. Yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah, exactly. If he would have run like 143, mm-hmm. I'll be like, okay, that was cool. Seeing the 1500 meter champion like dominate at 800 yeah. and running 143. But no, they ran 144 high, not even 144 low. And uh, yeah, we just... You can't have good things when it comes to 800. I just wanted Donovan to... Brazier got hurt. We need Brazier to get healthy, and then things will turn. Yeah. Where did it start? We need to figure that out. We need to commission a working group, figure out where it all started to go wrong for the men. Like, pinpoint the exact moment it went wrong for that event. The pandemic. Maybe there's something we about to, the we... COVID variants that, like, it also is, like, still lingering in the men's 800 in a weird way. I don't like I don't think that's it. I think there was some good there was some good racing I think in 2020 in the men's 800. No, there wasn't. So even, the so last think, good race we had was October 2019, Donovan Brazier running 142 for the win. That was the last good on, race we had. 2020 sucked obviously. 2021 sucked. No, man. You had especially if a US fan in 2020 in Monaco, August 2020, you had Brazier and Hopple both run 143s. Razor 143.15, Hopple 143.23. So I don't think it's it. This is why we need the working group to study this. I think there was something. Yeah, okay. I'm it, off by It might have been Brazier's injury. That yeah, it's Brazier's injury. Need, it it might have been literally when Brazier got hurt. We need, but we need to pinpoint the exact workout because maybe that happened and then, you know, butterfly flaps his wings and then all of a sudden over in Europe, some, something happened, someone twisted their ankle, and then here we are. You know, it could, yeah, be, just, it could, be, like, it could be like Space Jam. You know where like they t- the aliens took all the talent away from the NBA players. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a Looney Tune planet somewhere outside that's like we need to hold the greatest 800 meter race, and then he zapped all the talent from all the great 800 meter runners. That is a you know what possibility. Yeah, you know you know what phrase doesn't get said enough in our society. What, what? it could be like Space Jam. <laughs> I mean, it could though. What you just said. Not enough people start sentences like that, I'm saying, in 2022. It'll be like Yeah. I saw what they did to Charles um, Barkley, to Sean Bradley. It was devastating. It was a documentary, not a movie. Yeah. You know that, right? Well, yeah. So, back to Whiteman. I mean, I just really wanted to see him against Jakob. <laughs> I really wanted yeah. to see him against Jakob. Is that- you might see it. Diamond League final? We could see it? If we he, can't. If he, yeah, we can we can't go into twenty twenty three with that being the only race because, with with the benefit of time, you're just like, all right, we everybody thinks Jakob's a favorite anyway, 
Yeah. Whiteman like had a chance, like really, like I'm gonna do this twice to you. I'm gonna put it on you twice. That was not a fluke. I'm gonna do it to you again. And that would have been an amazing statement, an amazing show of confidence. And if we wait until 2023, I just think it's just gonna regress back into what we thought, which is just this is obviously gonna be Ingerbritson by a lot again. You think there's a He's part of race Whiteman switch. in the back of his head? He's like. I want to stay undefeated. Like I, I don't. I, I, I want well, the last race against him for twenty twenty two to be the win. So, I'm yeah. Dodge him. Well, That's of course, and like, don't dodge him. Don't you know? Don't I don't blame people for doing that. Hey, been there, done that. I'm the fifteen hundred meter champion. Now I'll try to do something different. I'll try to win the eight. That's cool too. And I get that. That's what he wants to do. But I'm speaking from what the fans want to see, and the fans want to see you run it back, especially when you take somebody down. Like that, biggest upset on the track of that entire meet. People want to see that again. Can you do it again? And he's not a flash in the pan guy. Yeah, he would have a legitimate shot to do it again. It's not as if no one knew about Jake Whiteman until that night in Eugene. Yeah. People knew him. They just didn't think he could beat Jakob, and he got it done. So now you want to see him go again. Like that's the that's the cool part of sports. There, it's just hey, all right, you got it, you got it again. You know, Jakob was just incredibly pissed off right i mean he said it he was so hard on himself and you want to see how does how does he respond to that with not against a regular field but with the guy who literally beat him imagine how mad Jakob would be if he lost to him again exactly, exactly. he would like destroy yes He's so angry. what is going on and he would have to hold on to that, all that rage for like many months you yeah. won't be let, able to let it out until like February of 2023. Yeah. Like, I kind of, yeah, we, that would be, you'd break, you'd All break those, the world record the next time he ran if he got beat by Whiteman, Whiteman again. There's not a long list of people who beat Ingebrigtsen now. So he keeps all the names. It's not a long list. He, he's able to memorize it. He doesn't even need to write it on a piece of paper and keep it in a cupboard. Like, he can just remember all those names. And Whiteman is on the top of the list. Everybody's competitive at this level. Everybody wants to win. He's vocal about it all the time. So he would tell you exactly how he's feeling. And that's why you want it again. And if someone was in charge of just putting together compelling track and field matchups, they would look at the European championships and they'd say, all right, Femke Bull, you need to double because you're really good. Jakob Ingerbritsen, you need to double because you're really good and these fields aren't good enough for you. And Jake Whiteman, you need to run against Jakob again. Because that's what everybody wants to see. Them the rules. Them the rules. Yeah. But that person doesn't exist. All right. Let's go back to talking about Space Jam. No, I'm just kidding. Let's talk about NACAC. Uh Jordan from the chat says, if I felled a giant, then I'm taking the time to enjoy it. I'm with Whiteman. Yeah. Look, from Whiteman's perspective, dude, if I was Whiteman, I wouldn't be running right now. I'd be on the Mediterranean or something sailing. I'd be doing, I just would be watching that race on a yacht on loop. That's all I would be doing for the next four months. But and, a fan, as a fan, if he's running, I want to see him against Jakob Ingebrigtsen. So I don't blame him at all, ever. If I had a, a victory over Ingebrigtsen, you think I'm going to go take another loss? No way. No. You know? End your career like that. That's fine. I, I totally get it. I just, I just want to see it. And I think everybody wants to see it. And to pretend like we don't want to see it, is disingenuous. All right. 
Nakak, let's go. Before we do the Mac, uh Colt, just so you know, you're showing the prelims right now, so you're gonna have to switch it to the finals. I'll go back to it. Listen, click on it again. Leave Col- click on the upper right corner, to the right, to the right. Move right there. Let let Colt be. He's he's doing a good job. I'm helping him out. You're welcome, Colt. Hey, Shawnee Miller Weibo. Yeah. Wins Nakak, 4940. Uh Sada Williams, 4986. Really good race out there in, in the Bahamas. Miller Weibo posts another solid time. The field here was was solid. You look at the the rest of the athletes who are competing. A lot of solid names there. Williams, we know, has been real good. So uh Miller Weibo getting pushed here and and putting another mid 49 out there for her great race you know when i interviewed her after the 400 final at worlds i genuinely thought that was the last time she was running 400 meters i did not know she was going to continue running more 400s the rest of the season which is great Mm. but it's kind of funny looking back at that that interview that i did thinking like oh okay it's over she's now done she completed it the yeah. task is finished and now she's going into the 200 and heptathlon but now she's still running 400 she ran at monaco she's running 49 seconds in NACAC. uh she's getting the job done very impressive hey if you're gonna run it you know home, representing uh bahamas at home who's in the right? bahamas yeah so that makes sense yeah that's what i'm saying it makes it's a it's a great it's a great way to end the season if you are going to do one more quarter. I just I saw the time. I was like, well, that's that's solid. That's a solid yeah. run for her. But then but then you look at how quick Williams ran. You're like, all right, well, she she kind of had to run that quick to get to that mark. But the sprint times across the board were pretty pretty solid. Like Shrika Jackson, ten eighty three. I know that's not near her best, but that's that's pretty solid. Akeem Blake was sub ten. Uh, Crittenden ran 13 flat. Uh, Andrew Hudson, 19.87. So there were some quick times on the sprint side of things. Yeah, I mean, I was most impressed with the Crittenden. 13 flat for Freddie Crittenden. Like, that men's 110 hurdles now. When you throw in Holloway, Roberts, Allen, and now Crittenden running 13 flat, like... Parchment? That's... Yeah, one time it's just on the U.S. side. Oh, oh. you know, like yeah. And he throwing Jamal Britt who ran thirteen oh eight here. Like the U.S. Yeah, he's been good too. Is insane, right now. Yeah. So. No, you're what right. You I mean, about... 13, 13 flat. I mean, the wind was the wind. Plus, I saw it when I was watching the videos. It looked like the wind was blowing pretty good there, but it looked like it calmed down for that. That was race. legal wind. Sorry, what yeah. was your question? So we talked about this guy on. Uh, podcasts a few weeks ago but andrew hudson we have a video of it let's play this video a couple months ago a couple months ago yeah yeah he used to run for texas tech used to run for texas tech won the jamaican trials but he wasn't officially jamaican yet he's an american citizen dual citizenship but like we need to watch out for hudson here because he looked good. 1987 is no joke. It's a big PB for him. Championship record. Looked pretty windy, but he got the job done. Very impressive. And 
we talk about, you know, the two young guys and Akeem Blake and Oblique Seville. If Hudson keeps going like mm-hmm. this, Jamaica's slowly forming a potential future big three. A like big three. Yeah, 2024. A big, big three. three. Yeah. Gordon, talk about a big three in Jamaica. Interesting. The two young well, guys and the transfer. Yeah, that's, that's what he got. He definitely, was, he definitely was missed at Worlds. They definitely could have used him at Worlds in the 200. Remember, J- Jamaica in the 100 was pretty solid with, with you know, Blake and, and Seville. But 200, they, they could have used him. I guess the transfer allegiance thing didn't go all the way through yet. So, yeah, I mean, you, you can run sub-20. You're going to make the Jamaican team. That's the reality. The question is, can you get into the top four, top three position for the U.S.? Top four when it's world championships and top three when it's the Olympics. And then you throw Joseph Fonbelay in there, and there's like a group of five, four to five that are just going to get tough to crack into because is Aaron Knighton going anywhere? Is Noel Owls going anywhere? Kenny Benarek, Curly, as I mentioned. Fanboulet for Liberia. Like, those are all guys who are still young. So it's yeah. still a very tough event. It's a very tough event to get a medal in. You see a lot of transfer allegiance of U.S. athletes transferring, U.S. sprinters transferring to a different country. You know, they have dual mm-hmm. citizenship. Has there ever been an international sprinter who's transferred to become to America. I mean, you see the distance stuff with some Kenyans, you know, the WCAP program, and, you know, we've seen that happen at the distance level. But has there ever been a sprinter from a smaller country who's like, I want to go to America, I want American, I want to make it harder on me. I want to try to make the U.S. sprint team. Mm. I feel like you never see that. Because if you did, that would be impressive. And it's also wild that we're living in a world where it's a, a Jamaican U.S. dual citizen. So, like, I have a better shot of making worlds in the sprint events in Jamaica than I do in the U.S. I mean, so, but that makes – you just – you do the numbers, though. It makes yeah. sense. It just – I know because the bolt era we get yeah. confused and the, how good the women are. You, yeah. You'd never want to try to make that women's team. But – you look at the sheer volume of people, it does make sense that that's, that's where we settle in. There's always going to be events where it's going to be difficult to make a team in a certain country just because the era that they're competing in happens to be stacked. But over time, it would make sense that there's going to be more depth on the U.S. side. Did I ever tell you about my, my plan? Remember when... Um, Remember when, oh, the chat brings up, yeah, Sonia Richards, obviously, born in Jamaica. Um, okay, yeah, there you go. Remember we were talking about, like, with Cesarek's citizenship situation? And, like, I think the subtext to that always was like, well, you know, from a competitive side of things, if he, he'll have a, it'll be easier for him to make teams in the U.S. than it would be for Kenya. But then Kenya had that drought, like, on the men's five. Like was just struggling for for a while there, and you're like, when you actually went and looked at the numbers, some of those years, like, wait, is that true? Again, that's obviously not the most important thing when it comes to which country he's deciding to represent. But I just think things that you think are going to be permanent um, aren't always the case. And 
when it comes to the U.S., just because the population is so big and they have just a lot of resources to devote to it, they have the NCAA system here. Over time, they're going to get to every event. It's just a matter of when you are competing. Is it a is it a difficult time, or is it an extremely difficult time to make a team? Did I ever tell you about my plan? No, I don't really know if I want to hear about your plan, but go ahead. Hey, man, that's not a good way to respond to someone when they want to tell you a story about their plan. You don't yeah, say it's I a hear your plan. plan before you even hear it. So my well, plan is... You didn't say story, you said plan. It's a, Gordon, when have I been on board with one of your plans? How long have I known you and how, long, how many times have I fully endorsed a plan of yours? So here's my plan. I had Let this plan it. like many years ago. I keep putting it off. I'm probably running out of time because I am getting older. I'm 34. So I got to probably start executing this plan. But maybe I can execute it by 2028. It'll be even more funnier. Okay. Me and a couple of my buddies, we're going to do some research. And we are going to analyze every Olympic event. And we're going to see which one could we get really good at. Now, obviously, we can't get good at the 5K. That's a pass, right? We find the Olympic event. And then also, we have to find a country. We're going to apply for citizenship in this country, small country. And we're going to make the Olympics in a random event for a country. And I think I could probably, I mean, I could do the simple way is like become like mm -hmm. a native of Djibouti or something like that, or some random small country, and then run the 100 meter dash in the opening prelim round. And then I'll be an Olympian. I or think like a race the way to do it. No, you got to buy a horse. Buy a horse. You got to do a equestrian. Equestrian. I think is the way. Or you, you're talking just track or any sport? Any sport. I just want to be, I yeah. want to be walk out on the, during like the Olympic uh, ceremonies and be like, isn't this funny? Need, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> you need a sport where the main qualification is how much money do you have? Okay. And then you need to somehow get, and you need to get a lot of money. Okay. And I feel like that's the case with horse racing Question. because not horse racing, sorry, equestrian. That's show equestrian. jumping and things like show that. Show jumping. Can and you plus, sailboat. The horse. Sailboat, maybe? Yeah. Sailboating? Yeah. Yeah. Sailing. Well, with the horse thing, the horse is doing, you know, the work too. So you just got to make sure you have a good horse. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you, have, you have to know what you're doing too. It's not like people are up there just on a joyride, but. Are there any other animal athletes in the Olympics? <laughs> I love the way you phrased that. Yeah, man, there's the been horse falcon a medal? For, for 100 years. You haven't been paying attention? No, I think that's it. Does the horse get a no, medal when they, when they have the, the ceremony? Like a, one that's like proportional for their size? It'd be kind of hilarious. That's okay, amazing. Giant bling hanging out. Do horses get... Oh, yeah, we found out. Why, Why horses don't... Horses don't the unknown question about see that's bullshit yeah they don't get it yeah that's messed up do you know what's real fun to look at is how do horses get to the olympics because if you're a horse By training no One if you're a horse a in like california and the olympics are in tokyo how does a horse get on a plane i mean right? i think most of them have pre they're pre-checked most of them right so they don't have to take off their. They have no. They're not wearing shoes, so that's pretty. They don't easy. take off their hooves. Their the the horseshoes. Yeah. All the ribbons, not medals. It's really funny to look at. It's like this 
I mean, I feel like I would freak out if I was a horse and I had to go on a plane. I would not like that. 100%. It's almost it's like they're not, not meant fun. to do this stuff. <laughs> well, how do you get – if you're – you know, they do the Kentucky Derby. They're not all in Kentucky. Are they all yeah, but they drive across them. the country? They oh, drive. they drive them all the way across? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. Yeah, you see them on the highway, the horse things on the highway. Well, I, that's not a Kentucky Derby. I would expect a Kentucky Derby horse would want, you know, like a little better treatment. And like first class and stuff, it doesn't want to have to ride on a bus the whole way. Like when the Lakers go play the Knicks, they're not driving across the country; they're getting on a plane. I would expect that from the the horses. Horses don't fly on planes for domestic events. That's that's just a known thing. Come on, what are we doing here? But anyway, yeah, my plan is to switch allegiance to a small country and then become an Olympian. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, good luck with that. that Because I was, you know, reminded of Andrew Hudson switching from U.S. to Jamaica, and now he's running nineteen eighty-seven. So. Oh, here we got horse so, plane. Look at this photo. Look at this photo. Mm, Horses on planes. Show that. That's wild. That's tough. The business of equine air travel. All right. Uh, NACAC. Other NACAC results. Um, Colt, can you go and you pull up that men's 5,000? I just think we need to not let this get be forgotten. Uh, I will be writing an oral history about this race one day. I just don't know if it's going to be in five years or, or in 10 years. Men's 5,000. Yep, there it is. Woody Kincaid gets the win. 1448 over Thomas, Thomas Fafard, who runs 1449. Kieran Lum, 1450. It was close. Emmanuel Bohr, 1453. Look at that opening 200. 41.5 for Woody Kincaid. Then we, we settled into some, some solid laps there. See, I see a 70 there. Um, the winners get the standard, correct? Did we get clarity on that? No. No, no, no. So you sent me the screenshot. So the people who won NACAC, they have the standard, but it only counts as the standard if there is no one with a higher world ranking than them. I thought it was a from their high. I thought it was a buy if buy. no one had the no, it's not a higher buy. ranking. No, 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 no. It's not a let buy. Me, let me... Buy is winning the Diamond League, and a buy is winning Worlds. That's the only buys that exist. No, I'm saying the thing that I sent you said the area champion automatically qualifies for the World Championships. Yeah, qualifies. of whether. Yeah. That's different from a buy. Of whether his performance has reached the entry standard on condition that there's no better entry of yeah. another athlete from the same area in the same event. So this, wait, so why did people go? <laughs> why did, why did the distance runners run in this? Well, it's like an extra, it's like basically a, a backup, backup, backup plan. If that makes any sense. Sure. I, and you get the points, right? Which helps your world ranking. So Kincaid's getting ranking. a lot of points. Stephanie Bruce. Sorry, they're trimming a tree now behind my house. Sorry. Oh, it's getting loud. Yeah, well, like I said, safety first here. I can't have this stuff landing on my house. Um, so like Steph Bruce won the 10,000, right? She does not have the standard. So does, that does not give her the standard? She right. only has the standard if no other U.S. athlete is ranked higher than her. You sure? Yes. That's because it says, you just read it. Read it, read it a sentence again. 
Uh, Heather McLean won the 1500, by the way. Eric Holt won the men's 1500. Uh, let me read this again to you. The second sentence. It says. The key thing is. Area champion in each individual event to be cast at the World Championships automatically qualifies for the World Championship, irrespective of whether his performance has reached the entry standard on condition that there's no better entry by world rankings of another athlete. On condition from the same that there's no better entry by world rankings. rankings. That's the right. Line. I'm not asking about world athletics, like letting them in the meet. I'm saying, do they at least have the standard? Is it in lieu of running 1307? Is all I'm saying. No. It's in lieu of a, a weird – there could be a situation. Okay, let's just say the men really sucked in the men's 200 for the U.S. And all of the men were not ranked in the top 48 in the men's 200 when you do top three only. None of them – no U.S. Yeah. man was ranked in the top 48, right? Yeah. This would be a situation, though, if the men has the NACAC champion, they'll be able to go in. It's only for a situation where no one in your country has a world ranking that qualifies. So it doesn't okay. So it doesn't it doesn't waive the standard. No. That's my that's my question. If like no. Natasha Rogers, Natasha Rogers won the five, right? If there's four women who get to USA's next year that have the standard, or three women plus Natasha Rogers and she's a knockout champion, does she get to go and you're saying no she would only finished. get to go if if no other were less in the top than 48. three people ahead of her in world ranking they just made this way more white i just it's a headache it's stupid why it's a headache why i mean why it's did, a stupid yeah why, why do you even do this to me no whatever i'm not saying that i'm just saying once we get the results from the meat why do we have to Package it in the most confusing box possible. Yeah, it's not the standard. I know. I know that it's not the standard. I was thinking before people thought, and this was I think the case in 2019. People yes. thought it counted as like a legit buy, like an extra entry. So like, if you didn't have oh. a diamond league and if you weren't the reigning champion and you got a buy, and I was like, that's not right. And then finally they had to make an announcement. But I knew it was never that. I always thought it was, in, you know, a standard. Like it would just get you the standard. So it'd be worth it for the distance runners who are going to have to really push to get that time to have this knocked out of the way. I'd love I mean, to I know what wrong, Bowerman but thought. Based on, Bowerman, yeah. Bowerman sent a lot of people, so I'm wondering why. McGordy won I mean, the five, ranking. Uh, McGordy won the ten. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. You know, that makes sense. I mean, I like McCordy to think everyone that won, every, everyone that won, I think is going to get the, the world standard on their own, except for Steph Bruce. But isn't Steph Bruce retiring? So it doesn't, that doesn't matter. Well, and someone like McGordy, that's a fast time, right? He's not, what did he, where's the 10,000? Yeah. McGordy ran in a race with three other people, ran 29, 23, four people in the men's 10,000. And he did it for points. That's what we're trying to figure out, right? I don't know. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right. Before we go, you want to talk about your favorite member of the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Oh, yeah. So there has been rumors that Devin Allen hasn't been having the best of camp. I've been listening to some Eagles podcasts, and they talk about, like, 
Who is this guy? He hasn't played football since 2016, but now he got his first touchdown in like what six years in a preseason game. But it was a 50-yard touchdown. He just outgunned two of the safeties or cornerbacks, whoever they were guarding them. I don't know what their coverage was, but uh, looked good. Makes the catch. Devin Allen, man. I mean, he's not going to make the 53-man roster. The Eagles are too deep at the wide receiver level, but he could get a practice squad and. I think the salary of practice squad is probably a top 10 salary for any track athlete. So if he can make the practice squad, there's definitely going to be a situation where he'll get called up for like a random week 15 game, which would be pretty cool. But he did a hurdle celebration. Look at the hurdle celebration. Check this out. Hurdle celebration is great. Well done by him. Ward Athletics probably said he started that celebration too early. They're going to call it back and throw a flag on him. Is he going to be doing any – has he been doing any kick returns in preseason? He hasn't. He hasn't yet. It would be cool if his celebration would have been getting into the blocks and just staying still and then just, like, getting DQ'd. He'd be like – Yeah. He'd be like, what? Too, too, quick, too quick of a start. Yeah, they're going to go back and watch and see if the, he actually fall started on, like, when he came off the line. Just like, was, that, was that too fast? I mean, you, yeah. you see the speed there. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into it. Do you think practice squad, then, he can get – can he get picked up by another team? How does that work throughout the season? Yeah. Or practice team- squad, like, you have, you have to protect certain practice squad players so they can't be poached. But, you know, I don't think he would be poached. Maybe he would, but this is what you need. You need, like, this highlight. You know, there's probably some GM seeing the word Olympian 50-yard touchdown. Ooh. Let's give him a shot. It's just going to be hard for him to make specifically the Eagles. Like the Eagles are looking to maybe um, wave Jalen Rager, who was a first round pick like two or three years ago. So they're just too deep at the wide receiver level. level. So he's either going to make the practice squad, hopefully, or I think he might get picked up. I mean, if he keeps doing this, has one more good game, we could see Devin Allen, the track star, on Sundays, which would be pretty cool. It's going to end up ruining your uh he's gonna go to some other team and in true philadelphia sports fashion Ooh, just yeah break your heart yeah would break colt's heart. thinking falcons colt why are you thinking falcons it's his old quarterback right that's uh oh, the old oregon quarterbacks. yeah there you, yeah. There you go marcus, marcus, that would be awesome Let's see that hey that makes sense be a lot of oregon nostalgia out there that would be that'd be awesome uh any other uh mini camp updates or uh preseason updates Gordon, where we go? No, that was the only one that I that I had. Uh, we do have some coaching news, though. Um, Pete oh, Watson. Oh, that's right. Coaching news. Texas uh, distance coach for how many years has he been here in Texas? Four? Time flies. Mm, yeah, we did a video. You can pull up a video, Colt, on, uh, on Flow Track. If you go, there's a – I think it's 2019. Gordon did a workout with him on the first – you might have to go to the actual site, like his first year. Just type in Flowtrack Texas workout in YouTube. Cool. Yeah, I think it's twenty. I think it's twenty nineteen was his first season. But uh, new coach. Yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah twenty eighteen. Click on 2018. that one. Yeah, twenty eighteen. Hey, I wrote that so, article. Yeah, four years. You wrote that article. Look at you. I see. Pull that one up there. All right. All right. All right. There um, we go. But yeah, he leaves for Boston College for you would think. Oh. Boston College is not as big as Texas, but it is to be the, you know, the director of Boston College. So 
that's what you do. You, you're an assistant, you're a cross country only coach, and then you work your way up to becoming the, um, a head coach overall. And he's doing that pretty cool for him. Best of luck at Boston college. It's gonna be very different elements from the Northeast winters to from the summers of Texas. But here's the question. Now there's an opening Texas. They have a good, good, uh, group of guys. I mean, some have transferred out, but they still got Creighton Carroza. They have a lot of great mid distance talent. We saw what they did at the four by mile at, um, yeah. Penn relays. They won the indoor DMR. So Pete had won the better seasons for distance running at Texas. Uh, so he's leaving Texas in good hands. Who do you think will take the Texas job? Well, I got some personal news, Gordon. This is actually my last really? podcast. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. It's a short yeah. commute. I'll be there. Who will take the Texas job? Uh, I mean, there's some high-profile people who – there's some high-profile people who don't have a spot right now, but I don't know yeah. – the finances and how it would work out but didn't i mean ben thomas has he been named anywhere former oregon coach he he hasn't so that's like an obvious first thought right ben thomas he's not at oregon so he needs a place to land that would be kind of crazy if ben thomas does move here and then all of a sudden like cooper and cole are like moving to austin texas to do their training um but i don't know Maybe Ben waits a year, does like a mulligan year, you know, sees what opens up down the line and it goes from there. But um, what about this as an idea? Hmm. We saw a Nike coach leave, not leave, but go back into the, into the college world with Jerry Schumacher. There's another Nike coach up there of the name Pete Julian, mm-hmm. Union Athletics Club. Would he move to Texas and take on the Texas job? So he has the the, co- the college side gig and then still has the pro group, similar to what Jerry's doing with the college side gig and then the pro group. I like how he called the Oregon want... track and field director coach. Side, side group. Gig. <laughs> side gig. I was <laughs> to say, that's a lot of work. Does everybody want to do that much? I mean, the difference is with going to Oregon, you have the facility there. Yeah, and he, and they all talked about how the running in Eugene was better than the running in Portland. With Julie, like they're the only ones at Nike now, or will be the only ones at Nike campus, correct? With yeah. Schumacher's group leaving, but then you'd go to a state that's not very hospitable to mid distance and distance running, and not, not to say the facility mid distance. Texas A and M, sure, the thing Mo well, like. Come on. She's well, I'm saying the weather. I'm not saying that there's not I'm not saying there's not good people that live here that that live in Texas. I'm just saying the weather isn't ideal. And when you're talking about a pro group, you're trying to maximize that stuff. I so it's true. I think a lot of successful eight hundred meter runners run in the heat, train in the heat. UTEP, Career and all those guys. Donovan Brazier when he was at Texas A and M, a thing Mo. Like yeah. You don't need the make, Stanford Palo Alto I- weather to be a good 800 meter runner. I'm saying that doesn't make it ideal. People did that. Yeah. I agree, but I'm saying that's not that wouldn't be the first choice. But also just the facilities, the facilities, and I don't I don't know the ins and outs of every college's facilities, but I'm assuming the stuff at 
Nike is pretty good, which is why they're why they're there. And then I don't know. Does he want to coach in college? Is that something he he wants to do? It also would be weird to go from two groups on Nike's campus to all of a sudden having zero groups on Nike's campus. Maybe that's part of a bigger a bigger plan for them. I'm not sure, but it's an inter- it's an interesting idea. I think Again, it might I, I don't know the fi- I don't know the finances of it. Are you reporting something? I'm not reporting. Okay. Not reporting. Just think it might happen. Yeah. I mean, there's also the whole like when Jerry took the job, Jerry was the head guy at Oregon. Yeah. Floreal's the head guy at Texas. So it's a little different. And then you have you're coordinating pro stuff on top of college stuff. And as you mentioned, they got a lot of points from mid distance and distance last year that the template was very successful for them and they got a title out of it. So not sure. Um, that stuff's harder to, that stuff's harder to work out than, than people think. Like there's definitely, there's definitely universities that aren't as welcoming to that. Oregon obviously is a different sort of, you know, part of that world entirely because of how they're operating, but not everybody's like that. But yeah, it is. It is interesting. I don't know. I, I haven't. I haven't heard anything one way or the other. He hasn't even been announced at Boston College yet, has he? I don't think he's been announced officially. Yeah, but it's it, it's happening. It's not not happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in the chat, talking about athletes that switched allegiance to the U.S. Um. All in the game says, sorry, Donovan says, Ry Benjamin went from Antigua and Barbuda to U.S. True. And then Anthony says, Karan Clement was Trinidadian um, as well. But yeah, I remember the Ry Benjamin thing because he was trying to get eligible. Like he was desperately trying to get that all sorted out so it wouldn't impact him for for national teams. But yeah. he, had, he had represented Antigua and Barbuda before, but. All right, good pod. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday. I think Wednesday we'll preview the Lausanne Diamond League, which comes up on Friday. And then I think our plan on Friday is to do a recap pod right after Lausanne. Yeah, we'll just go is that, is that recap correct? only. Yep. Awesome. Are you going to be there for that one? I'm going to try to make it work. We'll see. See the tree situation, although I'm looking at it right now. So far, so good. It looks like I'm going to have to go out there. And... It's just kind of nerve-wracking because you're like, hey, can you do these things? And I, they never talked to you before. And the per, they're professionals, right? So like, I got it, I got it. But then you're kind of nervous, like that they didn't like run it by you one last time. Be like, yes, that tree gone, that tree keep. So I'm kind of like worried, like, hey, did you guys get the right trees? So that's all. Good luck with your tree, by the way. Thank you. We'll see. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride it out. There's a weird part of my brain that kind of wants it to happen because it's like a weird experience. I shouldn't want oh, that, just- but like. No, it's you bad. Kinda, you know, but it's gonna happen. The tree's gonna fall. It's like so. This is like a normal tree. For those who are watching, it's currently like that. Wait, it's at that. We angle understand right forty-five now. degree angles. <laughs> so, all right, Fluttrack Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Thank you to Colt for producing. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Remember, subscribe to the Flow Track Podcast YouTube page. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.